skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash just break up. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when your partner screenshots Instagram models. <laughs> Very straightforward on that one. Yep, yep. Dating someone with herpes. Also super straightforward. Yep. Okay, good. And setting boundaries with friends. So straightforward. Like, y'all know, know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? There's no illusion here. Uh-uh. There's no, there's no wit in this episode. It's just like brass tacks. <laughs> But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners. Right. Uh, we are just two people trying real hard and who think that they deserve to have a podcast. Yes. Uh, we are not professionals. We are not trained relationship help, you know, people. 
Relationship yeah. help people. Um, and so <laughs> we want you to take our advice as you see fit in your life. Um, we are only here to offer our humble musings, so please shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love and life at all. I feel like we talk a little bit more about everything than that mm-hmm. description. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so the check-in topic for today. Um, <laughs> did you know that Just Breakup is turning three in July? Three years of unqualified, unprofessional relationship and life advice from your two favorite English major Geminis. Queer mm-hmm. English major Geminis. Just tack on right. a couple more labels there. <laughs> um so we are celebrating with a live show. We've been promoting it for the past couple of weeks. So I know you know what I'm talking about. But on Saturday, July 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, we are having a live show, a virtual live show. Um, Sam and I are going to be in the same room together for the first time, answering three of your letters just like normal. Um, but it is going to be uh, live streamed virtually so that everybody, you know, we're not quite ready for live shows yet. So you can watch us at home. Um, Tickets are just $5. If you are a patron, you have a special secret code. Winky, winky, winky. Don't say it. I won't. (laughs) But if you're a patron, you get a free ticket. Um, But the tickets are just $5. And yeah, we want you to come and celebrate with us if you can. Uh, We're so proud of the podcast that we've created, the community that we are a part of, that you all built. Um, And we're so grateful for your listens, for your shares, for your likes, and for your recommendations. And we want to celebrate with you. So you can get your ticket at Just Break a Pod dot com and um yes yeah, so this is happening this saturday so for the check-in topic other than promoting the show i think we just wanted to sort of reflect on three years of podcasting even though our, our anniversary isn't for like two more weeks but round up you know <laughs> <laughs> um uh we want to talk about what it's like to be a, th- a three-year-old podcast and um yeah i'm gonna improvise some questions for sam which he loves sam What's something that you've learned about podcasting and or life in the last <laughs> three years of making this podcast? Um, I think that one of the things that I've learned about podcasting and life <laughs> is that um, it's a way more fun than I thought it would be. And it's also way more work than I thought it would be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Honestly, like it's, <laughs> Considering it is, you didn't think we were going to do this more than like a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's super fun to do this with you every week because it's like, it's great to have like scheduled time where we just like, yeah, shoot totally. the shit about things that we're interested in. Um, and it's really fun to engage with folks who are listening and who like want to talk with us about things and like people reaching out on Instagram and like, it's just fun to be like, Oh, this is, this is so cool that there's this community that's coming up around this stuff that people are like really resonating with the, the, the things that we're trying to do, um, which is super exciting and super fun. Uh, and it's also a lot more work, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking at some point that this was just going to be a small thing, um, didn't anticipate that it would be a lot of like reading letters and like job. doing yeah. like, yeah, like, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I think it's interesting because sometimes we get approached by people who are like, oh, I want to start a podcast. Like, how did you do it? And it was like, we kind of fell into it, but we also took it 
really seriously. Yes. And I think that's like part of why it has been successful is because it's like we are super ourselves and super authentic, but it's also like, you know, you and I have put in a lot of work into this podcast to make it what it is. Yeah. Um, and it and it's not something that you can just like do and expect to be immediately successful. It is not at like, all. You gotta, you really gotta put in the hours and um, I'm so thankful that we're at a part where like we can pay ourselves for those hours in a good way. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, Spotify. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But for a while there, it was just like us doing the work for the Instagram likes, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we've all been there. Let's, let's be honest. (laughs) Um, I think also like to tack onto that statement, um, and this will probably like be the most millennial thing I'll say is like the true emotional labor that goes into creating something that is for the consumption of strangers that is also mm. very um, uniquely and intensely involved. Like it, uh, it is this podcast is us, you know, it is our <laughs> personal lives, our stories, our opinions, our, you know, accidental, bad, unqualified advice. And, um, you know, we, not only do we put try to put a lot of love and empathy and compassion into our responses, we also um, put ourselves into it, you know, and mm-hmm. all of that is a is a form of labor as well um, that I don't think I anticipated as well. Um, yeah. I think that something that I learned over the last three years, something that has like intrinsically changed who I am because of the podcast is this deep understanding and reverence for the fact that like, even when we are so, we feel so alone in our experiences, um, there are so many common universal threads of what we experience that are like woven throughout humanity. How many letters do we Mm. get that are just like a letter that we read before? You know, how, Mm. how many common experiences do we see rippling through there? So that is not to make us feel less special or it's not even to make us feel less alone, but there is this connection in, um, and to me, like, it's not just a connection. It like, it makes me feel better that like, I am not the only imperfect person out here, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that I am not the only person who didn't know how to do this the first time I did it. You know, um, there is, there's such a, it's so humbling to know, um, that we're all trying our best with the limited tools and resources we were or were not given, um, and how, and how common some of these stories are you know how how connected mm-hmm. we all are absolutely yeah anything else you want to add about our no i think i I just agree with what you said and i think um i am i'm continually blown away by the commitment that our listeners have to like bring things into the light that that we normally wouldn't talk about right like i think I think we get so many letters about people who are like in the midst of the worst breakups of their lives. Yes. And it's like, it's like, oh, this is so unique to you. And the, the, all of the, all of the different experiences that you had in this relationship. And also at the same time, it's like, yes. And this yes. is life. This yeah, is yeah, what yeah. it is. This is what it's like to break up with someone. And these are the feelings that you're feeling. And like, it, there's something that's super validating about it because it's like, Oh, I can just see the ways in which we we are all processing and 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 hurting yes. through these things in similar ways and at the same time everyone's experience is unique in that and it's yeah. just like it's profound to me how there are 
there can be so many similarities between us and our experiences and like how we process through things and that every single person that writes into us, there is something that is unique about the situation that they're in. And it's, it's amazing that how we can be, we can be so connected and so similar as humans and also, and also our experiences of that humanity can be so different. Yeah. I was talking to somebody over the weekend about like, um, how someone in our life has believes that there's a right or wrong way to do things. They're an Enneagram mm-hmm. one. They're kind of a type A person. And I cannot be the host of this podcast and think that there is a right way to do something because you really see the full gamut. See, huh? Huh? People who. <laughs> That's one thing you learned in the last three years. <laughs> how to fucking pronounce gamut. The, the full array of the human experience and how. L- I mean, that's probably my biggest takeaway from the pod is that like my experience of reality, the way I see it and experience it and process it is wholly unique to me, which might seem totally contradictory to the first thing I shared (laughs) that we are. But but it's that's the amazing thing is that like Mm -hmm. it's the yes. And it's that I that I am you I'm connected to to this universal experience of life. Um, and also I am wholly unique in the way that I express this and experience it. Mm-hmm. And I see that yep. reflected in every letter, in every listener. Um, and it's it's brought me a lot of um, clarity and, and peace, actually. I would say peace, not so much clarity. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> things have become less clear, yeah. <laughs> honestly. But I'm, so I'm more good. at peace with the lack of clarity. That right? is so like, good. <laughs> there we go. That's why we are co-hosts. Um, all right, y'all. Uh, this is just like our small um, like nod and reflection at the past three years. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more of it, about it at our live show, but maybe not. Like we mostly probably just want to have a good time. <laughs> but um, make sure you check it out. It's happening on Saturday, July 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, tickets are just $5. You can get it at JustBreakUpPod.com. If we see you there, if we don't see you there, a deep and heartfelt thank you from Sam, Spencer, and I for listening, for supporting us for the past three years, for being our patrons, for moving over to Spotify, for doing that head and heart work in search of that good, true authenticity. Um, we're really grateful uh, for every for every listen here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, y'all. All right. Let's get into our letters for this week. Our first letter is from Anxiety Queen, (laughs) who is writing to us. It's so simple, but so good. Who is writing to us from the never-ending void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Mm. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year and have learned so much from both the letters I relate to personally, as well as the ones that are very different from my own experience. So thank you so much for the love and work you put into this podcast. You are very fucking welcome. (laughs) Uh, uh, On to my question. I'm a 25-year-old straight cis female in a relationship with a 27-year-old straight cis male. We have been together for just over a year, and I personally just got to the point in long-term relationships where the honeymoon phase ends and the rose-colored glasses come off. While my boyfriend and I have been able to work through just about everything thus far, I'm finding myself getting stuck on an issue that I think comes from me more so than from him. I know you've touched on this topic on your podcast before, but the gist of it is how do I reconcile in my brain the fact that my boyfriend is both a hot-blooded horny dude who can't help but notice every single pair of boobs he sees and (laughs) my very loving and kind boyfriend. (laughs) Very funny. Yes. And sort of thing. Yes. <laughs> um, 
To give some background, this is my only second long-term relationship. In my first, my boyfriend revealed to me a not-so-healthy relationship he had with porn. We stayed together for four years, and this was a problem for us at least th- for for at least three of them. So I think that maybe I just have negatively skewed relationship to men and the way that I fear uh, that they objectify women because of this experience. After this relationship, I went through the classic hookup phase, which was fun, but also didn't do much to improve my opinion of men and the way they look at women. Just one example. I went home with this guy when I was on a trip to Las Vegas, which is a terrible place. So you can probably (laughs) guess that this night was full of questionable decisions. (laughs) Love it. Um, at some point in the night, he decided it would be a good idea to tell me that I was a seven out of 10, but if I would be a nine, if I had a better body, mind you, I struggled with an eating disorder for years before this. So for obvious reasons that made me feel like shit. However, after that fact, it just pissed me off. And over time, I have turned into this girl who becomes angry anytime I think about men ogling women like we just exist to look pretty for them or something. So after a series of events like this, plus a relationship that was negatively affected by porn, I worry that no matter who I'm with, there is no man who could reassure me enough that he would rather be with me, even if he does fantasize about other people or look at porn or Instagram models or whatever. So back to my boyfriend, he wanted to show me a picture on his phone one day. So he clicked on his albums and then the photo as one does when he went on the album. However, I got a glimpse of a perky pair of boobs in a skimpy bikini and then it was immediately went away because he clicked on a different photo. Anyway, I felt this weird surge of adrenaline that I hadn't felt so much since my ex and was capital T triggered. So naturally, I made the mature decision to bring it up right there with him then and disclose my past. And we talked about our feelings and he told me how beautiful I was and we had hot sex on the couch. LOL, LOL, I'm joking. What actually happened- (laughs) You really had us going there. (laughs) I love that. What actually happened was I went through his phone when he was in the shower and I found several screenshots of Instagram models photos and accounts not like he was curating a collection or something but like a handful i let this bother me for like a week going back and forth between feeling turned off by him and then feeling annoyed at myself for thinking he wasn't allowed to fantasize about other women which isn't really a fair realistic expectation to have anyway i eventually brought it up and it went about as well as you would expect it to feelings of violated privacy lack of understanding defensiveness on both sides ultimately we just dropped it and moved on But here I am weeks later, and it's almost like I can't look at my boyfriend the same, like he's just lost a little bit of his shine for lack of a better metaphor. He's openly made fun of guys that look at, quote, that shit, his words on Instagram to my face before. I realized that the most realistic expectation is that obviously guys enjoy looking at unattainably attractive women, and he was probably embarrassed that I caught him. But in my brain, I can't help but wonder the worst. Did he save their profiles to go on their OnlyFans accounts? Does he pay models to send him stuff? Does he wish I had a better body and fantasize about women like this when we have sex? I can hear how neurotic this sounds, but this shit for real happened to me before. So in my brain, it is now a realistic possibility. I told him this stuff in our conversation and he said, quote, that's messed up. I would never do that to you. But he also said that it was weird that people look at this stuff in the first place. So like not really giving me reasons to believe him. If you asked me if my ex would ever do this stuff when I first met him, I would have said hell no. 
at the end of the day, I feel like this is a 98% me problem. And that no matter who I am with, this will continue to come up in some way, shape or form. How do other people seem to just overlook things like this? Is it possible for me to stop putting so much weight on these experiences and stop feeling so inadequate? Furthermore, how do I love the men in my life while being so incredibly bothered by the way they sometimes objectify women in their minds? Even if they keep it to themselves, there is something about that that I fundamentally don't understand. I mean, I can recognize an attractive man, but I can confidently say I have never looked up a half-naked hot guy picture and just stared at them or fantasized about them, screenshotted them, etc. I feel like I'm a naive idealist in a world that is not made for naive idealists. This (laughs) seems... That's such a good line. (laughs) It is. This seems like such a silly problem now that I'm writing it, but I'm really tired of feeling crazy. I love my boyfriend, but I miss the confidence and self-assuredness that I only seem to have when I'm single because the anxiety triggers I have. Thank you so much in advance. I know this isn't an original topic, but I appreciate any words of wisdom you might have to pass along. Lots of love, Anxiety Queen. All right, Anxiety Queen. It's not... It's not not an original topic. <laughs> Don't worry about that. <laughs> but it is a, a incredibly common one, I think. Like we we get several letters about this, and also like just in life, like we see it in our personal lives, mm-hmm. social media. I think this is a common thing, right? Especially with the rise of social media and the access to online things. Mm-hmm. Sam and I want to start answering this question by first. Um, just sort of acknowledging that this question is way more complicated than I think it appears, <laughs> you know? Yep. For example, when I was preparing for this episode, sometimes I'll Google things um, to try to, like, find resources or language that I like, you know, whatever, inspiration. And I Googled, like, my boyfriend looks at <laughs> porn or, or my boyfriend looks at Instagram models or something like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I go on like those Google asks or weird, weird, like sort of forums where people could respond. And um, so somebody posted a question like this and the answers were like, literally half of them were like, "Uh, that's because he's a dude. And this is what dudes do. (laughs) You know, like this, this is what every guy does. Chill out. You know, he's a good guy, whatever. And the other half of the answers were like, he's an asshole. You should leave him. He's being a bad partner for looking at other women. And I think like when we were talking about the show before we press record, Sam and I wanted to start by those two with the, that two, those two bookends, those two extremes, because we don't mm-hmm. feel like either of those are right. I, we don't feel like your boyfriend is a bad person for doing this. And we also like... Don't necessarily want to just be like, well, dudes are dudes and they like meat <laughs> and they like beer and boobs. You know what I mean? That doesn't feel like that it contains the full expansiveness of the human experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, anxiety queen, I also struggle answering this because like on the surface, I want to say, yes, this is you responding to triggers and it's not a real issue. It not that's not the right phrase it is not a fundamental structural problem in your relationship you know like is he a good person blah blah blah. and then on the other hand if i picture my partner or my past partners if i found something on their phone i think i would freak out (laughs) (laughs) i think i would like 
I think the worst of me would come out, right? The worst of me, meaning the person who has been trained, whether by society or by myself or by my past partners, that I am not good enough, that my body, the way it is naturally is disgusting, that Mm. other women are my competition and other women who look certain ways are either better than me or worse people who are going to steal my man or are doing this for attention. You know, like we're, we're, we're given Mm. all these weird, um, narratives about our bodies as women. Um, and I can't say that I wouldn't, that I'm not susceptible to them. I can't say that if Willow didn't have a screenshot, uh, like Willow doesn't have social media, so I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> but we were like, we were like joking about her. Like she'd have to like go to Google like and type send in hot Instagram ladies. <laughs> yes. And then send herself a computer screenshot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Anyway, like, I think that I would be deeply triggered as you are. So I, Sam and I have lots of thoughts about this letter, but I think we just wanted to start by saying, like, it's not as clear cut for us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I would, so from the perspective of another gender, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will tell you that, like, my experience is that, you know, being a person who's in relationship with only men, too, right? Like, like me and my partners have talked about porn. We've yeah. talked about hot men. We have talked about um, like things that we've seen on TV or like <laughs> literally like other hot men in the bar. Like we will both have, we will have conversations about that hot man. Right. Like, and so for me, it's like, oh, I totally understand the where your boyfriend is coming from because like I have screenshots in my phone of attractive people uh, that are shirtless, right? Like there, right. it's just the reality of like, yeah, this is something that I do. This like, this fulfills some sort of like part of my brain that's like visually oriented, and that is like focused on like, yes, I like this, I like this, this is great. Are and, those people that people that I'm like interested in in literally having sex with? Like, n- no, like they're not. Yeah. They are not in the realm of reality, if that makes sense, right? Like, yeah, I. I am not like, oh, I really want to have sex with that person. I think if I met that person in real life, I would like not want to have sex with them because I'd be like, this is too much. <laughs> like, This is like. So this is all to say that I think that there's something to be said about the difference between sort of like desire and attraction. Yeah. Right. Like like hypothetical pictures of people I feel and I can be like, I, the, my experience is not the be all and all experience of this, but in my experience, like the feeling of desire for things that are like pictures of people who are not people who I know and the actual sexual attraction I feel to the people who are around me and available to me feel like very different things. Yes. And so Fantasy I can totally and understand. attraction are different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I can totally understand that your boyfriend has these pictures of people that he uses to masturbate or just like to look at like you're uncomfortable no honestly because it's like because it is because this type of thing that we talk about is also really taboo like it's like ooh, if like we don't talk about porn we don't talk about masturbation even though like both of those things are like in my opinion healthy useful things right and I also don't want to diminish your experience of this because it's clear to me that you don't have that perspective. Like you don't have that understanding of it. And so like both of those things can be true at the same time, right? Like 
like he can be like this is nothing and you can be like this is everything <laughs> right? right like oh my god yes that's a perfect description and so i want to say to you that like the the impulses that you're having are the ideas of like well maybe he's thinking this way i can say that in my experience that's the way that i'm thinking which is that like i don't i don't think about the instagram models when i'm having sex with peter like i don't mm-hmm. like i'm 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 with peter in those moments mm. Because they're they're separate things in my mind. And I can also understand that it would be really weird to have someone say to you, like, those are separate if they're if they don't feel separate to you. Yeah. Well, and there's two things I want to I want to ask you about one thing and I want to clarify one thing. The clarification is you also said before we started recording that, like, even though you participate in those things, like checking out guys or having screenshots on your phone or whatever, you still don't feel def- like men are those, the stereotype of men, you know, like that, that idea that all men are, uh, that con- they all consume a fantasy and desire like that, you know, in like yeah. a no, problem. Absolutely. And that's hard to talk about because I mean, I think what I appreciated you told me before we press record was like, I do these things, but like, I don't believe all men are, are, you know, like, I don't think they're gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to like, I don't want to write off people's legitimate criticisms of the ways in which men objectify women as being like, well, men are visual creatures. (laughs) Like they can't help it. Right. Like there, you can be ethical about the type of porn that you, (laughs) that you use. Like you can be ethical about the types of, of Instagram models that you follow. Right. Like there are ways that it's like, yeah, for sure there might be an impulse or like, or and learned or biological, right? Totally. There you go. I don't know. I don't know. I tend to reject most things that are like, oh, it's biology. Yeah. But like, whatever it is, societally learned or whatever, that there is an impulse towards that, like that cons- consuming of like sexual content visually. Yes. <laughs> like, and it doesn't feel at least in my experience, it doesn't feel connected to the reality of my sex life in meaningful ways. It's just yeah. like, this is an attractive person. I want to look at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here's my question. And this is where we get into like the nitty gritty sticky part of this. So I know and anxiety, I'm doing this for you and I both. <laughs> yeah. I know that if someone said to, you know, like you, how you were saying this, this fantasy person is not connected to my sex life um, and that you don't know if you would be like actually want them in real life. I know if somebody came up to me, like my part, my intimate partner and said, oh my God, I think so-and-so is so hot. And they were in my perception, like the opposite or the, like the better version of me. You know what I mean? I could mm-hmm. not... I could not not do that harmful comparison of like, wait a minute, you want these washboard abs? I mean, like I'm thinking about you and your gay men right (laughs) now. I don't really really care about abs, (laughs) but like you want these abs um, and you want this X, Y, and Z. um, And you think that's sexy. How could you possibly like, this is literally what my anxiety brain would be doing in the never ending void void with anxiety queen. And I'm the anxiety princess. Like I would be saying, (laughs) how could you possibly think I'm attractive? If this is what you think is hot, even though like anxiety queen says, I logically know that sex and like our actual, 
sexual desires and fantasies are different, that it is possible to be attracted to a full scope of people. I think in the moment of panic, in the moment of triggered and in, in, insecurity, I would say like, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, like r- real talk, I just remembered like when my ex cheated on me and I found out mm-hmm. and I knew who it was with, I was like, obs- I like couldn't get over the way she looked because I was like, so then yeah. what is that? I, you know, but let me say something really quickly because <laughs> I'm even correcting myself <laughs> in my own mind. Yeah. In that moment, in that moment of pain and triggered or, or insecurity or whatever, I could not remember that the world is so expansive and people's attraction is not limited to just the way I look. People's attraction is not limited to perfect, 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 perky boobs and, and whatever else exists, you know, like that, that's not real. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, we, we put a lot of limits on what we think desire and attraction can be when really it can be so expansive. It's kind of like this, the, the, um, sexuality, um, binary, like we want it to be straight, bi or gay when it can be so many things, you know, you can be attracted to so many things and your attraction can be manifested in so many different ways. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's, that's absolutely right. Like I may be conditioned to, or like whatever it is to be really attracted to washboard abs. But when push came to shove, there are a multitude of other things that are involved in my sexual attraction to real humans yeah. that are not about washboard abs. Yeah. Right. Like if I met that man who had those perfect washboard abs on the street, I would probably be like, okay, like not interested because it's like, well, there would be a lot of other things going on. Like, and this sounds so absolutely. cheesy, but like his personality, <laughs> his face, right? like, his voice what is, he is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. How does he treat me during yeah, sex? What's like, his how energy is he, like, what's his, yeah. Well, how is he communicating with me? And so like, yes, like if I'm looking at just the physical attributes of people, like it's, it's like, yes, these types of bodies. Right. And to be clear, like, it's not washboard F's. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just pictured, I literally pictured right, like, like a Zach Morris style, um, yeah. like <laughs> trading card in your phone. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like, I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. But like, it's not that I like those people. It's not yeah. like, there's such a huge disconnect in my mind of like, yeah, I want to look at this picture of this, like really conventionally attractive a person. And I'm not actually interested in them as people (laughs) like Mm -hmm. which sounds really bad right like i'm sure that they have wonderful lives and i hope that they have people around them that love and support them and and they have like they have lived very rich wonderful lives and also that's not i i don't feel the urge to be that person for them yeah i do feel the urge to be the people that i'm in partnership with right like i do want to have sex with the people that i am in partnership with and like want to be around because i love them and which is all to say, like, I know that I'm coming across as like this person who's objectifying all these people on Instagram. <laughs> and and I like, would say like, that's, that's yes. probably true. That's probably what I'm doing. Cause I don't know anything about them. And yes. I, and I, and there is something that is wired in my brain to like, want to look at pictures of attractive people. Like that's, that's the reality that I'm living with. And I'm trying to do that in like a really ethical way in ways in which like, I am intentional about that. And also I don't necessarily want to have sex with them and I don't necessarily compare yeah. them to Peter. Like I don't like that's the reality of it. Like I don't 
I don't look at Peter and think like, wow, he doesn't look like that Instagram hunk. I yes. I would rate him a seven out of 10 and that Instagram hunk a 10 out of 10. So like, oh, in the game of life, is. Peter's really losing. I it's remember. Like, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just like I just I want to be with Peter. Like, I love that you like, said I, I love that you called it a game and you assign scores to it, like in that hypothetical anxiety world, right. because like also like. Sending, I'm going to bring up Britney Spears. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge and send our love out to Britney Spears during this really difficult time. We love you. Um, I remember my high school boyfriend said, oh my God, Britney Spears is so hot. And I literally thought, how, how can I be hot? in the world in which she is hot. Like that's, I think we, mm. gr- we grew up thinking that it was like a scale, like this fucking asshole in Las Vegas, like that you could be graded. But the, remember that those grading systems are solely uh, personal to our own reality and our own desires. And that they're not like you get X amount of points for having this size boobs and this size, you know, like this nice face. And, you know, it's, it's a, Attraction is way more complicated than anything that we could put on some sort of uh, trackable yeah. yep. scale. You know, it is not quantifiable. Um, and our our attraction is our personal attraction is not uh, lessened or um, put in stark comparison to others like it doesn't doesn't work like that. Be, I, mm. you know, I can be beautiful and so can someone else be beautiful in in their own unique way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, As a teenager, absolutely. though, it was it felt impossible. It was like, mm-hmm. ha- you say that to me and I will forever feel insecure about Britney Spears. Not anymore. God bless you. I hope that you get free um, <laughs> and be able to marry and have babies and fuck your dad. Um, I mean, like, fuck your dad. Not, oh, God. Yeah, oh, that, God. That, that came out really weird. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay, uh. anyway, moving on. But hey, so going back to Anxiety Queen, um, uh, so I, this is all of us. This is all to say we're trying to like a little bit humanize your boyfriend, uh, validate your anxiety, because also I, I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about trust and tell you, like, honestly, I, I, I have little idea of what to do. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that you should. I don't think this is enough to leave your boyfriend. And it's a very understandable reason why you're starting to look at him differently, because now you have different knowledge, different triggers, whatever. Um yep. It's just tricky. Like, I, I I, don't think that this is, like, a breakupable offense. I don't think it's a bad person. Like, Sam, you know, when we were prepping earlier, I was like, I don't think this guy's a bad person. And Sam said... I was like, if he's a bad person, I'm a bad person. Because, yes. like, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, but let me talk a little bit about trust, um, anxiety princess. I mean, queen. That's me. I'm the princess. Um, <laughs> so... This weekend, I I follow the Gottman Institute, which is the, um, they are famous for something called the Love Lab. It was like 35 years of um, clinical research about love and relationships and what makes relationship works. I shouted out one of their books a couple of episodes ago. Um, I follow them on Instagram because I really like their work because it's all, it reminds me of Brene Brown, like research-based human issues. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and they posted something on like, do you trust your partner? And it was like a quiz, you know? So it was like, mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> I'm going to take this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was raised on like, you know, what was it? Teen people or, you know, uh, teen Vogue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. take a quiz when I see one. Um, so it was the, there was a 10 questions you answered true or false to. Um, and one of the question, like the, most of the questions were like, I think my, uh, 
my partner will be there for me if I'm upset or angry or um, mm. my partner makes me feel desired or my partner will make sacrifices for me. You know, like this, these statements, right, about your relationship. But that one of the questions said, I believe I can trust most people, true or false. And I, as well as many people in the comments were like, wait a minute, like what does number two have to do with my relationship? And after like some inner reflection and also like reading more comments and like thinking about this more, you know, there are a variety of factors that influence how we trust our relationship to trust and trust in our intimate interpersonal relationships. For example, if we grew up um, learning that we couldn't trust people or that people are inherently untrustworthy or that relationships and love are not a consistent, safe thing, then it's obviously going to be harder for us to trust in the future. It was just like a great reminder that Mm. there are so many factors going into our, our trust, our, our peace in a relationship, because that's what trust is. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so sometimes these factors have nothing to do with the two people that are in partnership. And why I say mm. that is it is deeply obvious to me, Anxiety Queen, that you you do have these triggers from a past relationship, um, that you have these triggers from your, not just views, but your experience with men, which is incredibly valid. And also yep. that your partner hasn't necessarily done anything to evoke these other than having these photos, which you yourself is say is normal, you know, like there's just like, there's a lot going on here. I I just thought that Gottman Institute question was really good because it reminds you what goes into trust. And that's the issue for me here is that like, it's not just, well, there's two issues. One trusting. Do you trust your boyfriend to have a picture on his phone, but also tell you, also believe him when he tells you you're beautiful, you know, like yeah, mm-hmm. these things have to be, all of these things have to be true at once or believable. And two, can you hear him tell you that he thinks Britney Spears is hot without <laughs> turning that into a weapon against yourself? So right. there's a, yep. there's a, there's a, I don't even want to say it is just a self-esteem thing because I hate when things talk about self-esteem and don't take into effect into account that like we are sensitive, malleable creatures <laughs> that like, you know, I can work really hard or hard on building up my self-esteem, but if somebody tells me that I have buck teeth, I'm going to fucking cry for like 10, 10 days because that's my wound. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Help me out, Sam. <laughs> no, I think, I think, what is tricky about this is because, you know, we talked about the ways in which men may or may not be conditioned to objectify people, right? And to separate their anxiety or their desire from or their fantasy from their actual right. like sexual desire. And I also at the same time, women are conditioned to <sighs> compare themselves to other women and yeah. to to, Deeply. to rank themselves in this yeah. order. And men are also conditioned to do the same thing. In similar ways, right? So, like, it's hard to say this because it's like in an utopia, in a utopia, in in like a perfectly objective world, we'd be like, "Well, listen, he's not comparing you to other people. Like, he's just enjoying all exist at the same Mm -hmm. right. This can all exist at the same time, right? That's it. Live in that utopia, and that's what's so hard about the situation is because it's like 
it's not an issue of your self-esteem. It's also an issue of the indoctrination that we have all had about pitting women against each other, comparing their bodies, assigning like objective, quote unquote, like beauty norms to people and then measuring people against those beauty norms. Right. Like that's the, that's also a big issue at play here. And so like, I don't want to say like, Oh friend, just get over it because like, whoa, it's not your job to just get over it when it's been, you've been indoctrinated by it and it's actively harming you. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, we got to find a way to live in this imperfect world in ways when we, that we can do the least amount of harm to ourselves and others, right? Like that's sort of like the, the, the best that we can shoot at until we overthrow the system of patriarchy, capitalism and racism, right? Like that's, that's, really what's at odds here so like i don't want you to like i don't want to tell you to like just pep yourself up and be like get over it girl because you are beautiful like don't let anyone (laughs) tell you otherwise when literally everything tells us otherwise (laughs) exactly exactly right so like and i i hate this like this idea that we can like solve these issues individually right like we are like yeah this is an individual problem it's it's not and at the same time, we have to find a way to work through this and and live with the realities that we are we are facing. So yeah. what can you do to help yourself rewrite the story that you're telling yourself about your boyfriend's desire for you and for other women? Yes. What can in you the do, context of your right? What can he do to validate that experience mm-hmm. too? Not necessarily we're we're not talking about maybe he Maybe he does stop looking at these pictures, but also maybe how can he just verbally or in his actions affirm to you the experiences they are having based off of these very real triggers? Absolutely. And we exist in a society and culture that operates in one in a certain way. And we have the ability to control and the ability to change the way that the culture of our personal relationships operate. Right. So. I can't tell you that sexism is going to go away. I can't tell you that the process of comparing women to other women is going to go away. And how can you uh, it, like engage with your partner and believe him when you set up different understandings of how your relationship functions as individuals and as a couple, yeah. right? Like, and that's all you can do. Like, that's, yep. that's really it. And so keep talking about this. Yeah. Like, keep, and, and I want you to believe him. Right. Like, that's really what I want. That's the only thing that I'm going to ask you to do, like, as a person is, like, believe the words that he's saying to you and use them as a way to, to like, continue to build yourself up. Because, again, if there's not trust in a relationship, if there's not belief in each other in a relationship, then the relationship isn't working. It's not serving yeah. us. So you can either trust him or not trust him. But if you're not trusting him, then why are you in relationship with him? Right. I know we gave you a lot to chew on, but obviously this is a topic that is very stimulating to us and is very not one, you know, one note. So hopefully this at least helps you give you some other things to think about, other things to talk about with your partner or with a trained professional or with a friend. Um, We love you. We hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from E.N., who is writing from Panic City, USA. <laughs> Hi, Sam and Sierra. I want to start by saying how much I absolutely adore you both. I found your podcast after ending a four-year-long relationship that was no longer serving me, and you both have helped me stay true to my heart and continue my head and heart work in moments when I wanted to give up. Thank you. Thank you. Now, 
Now, on to why I'm currently residing in Panic City, USA. I am a 28-year-old bisexual cis woman who has had quite the struggle finding healthy partners. I've been in a handful of serious relationships that all ended because the other person wasn't ready to put the work into their own healing. I've always struggled to find partners that are as dedicated as I am to head and heart work. Even when the emotional, physical, and spiritual connection is there, the lack of effort to heal their trauma and unhealthy coping mechanisms always left these relationships toxic and unsustainable. My most recent relationship ended about six months ago, and I'm finally feeling ready to open my heart to others. The first weekend I went out as an emotionally available human, I met the most incredible man. He is thoughtful, kind, intelligent, and has done the work to become a genuinely evolved man. I've never felt such an innate sense of security from a man. On top of that, he is absolutely gorgeous and loves the fact that I'm successful in my career and do competitive pole dancing, two things about me that typically turn insecure men off. You're probably like, he sounds perfect. Why are we in Panic City? As our time together progressed, he decided to share with me that he is positive for herpes. He wanted to make sure I was aware before our relationship got physical. As a hypochondriac Virgo, my brain was immediately flooded with anxiety. I'm really struggling to process this information and have no idea how to navigate this as I have never knowingly been with someone positive for an STI. The logical part of my brain knows that STIs are a normal part of being sexually active and they are nothing to be ashamed of. There is always a risk even when taking all of the precautions with any sexual partner. Even knowing this, my brain is currently stuck in panic city. I can't help I can't stop thinking about the stigma and how my life could be impacted by being intimate with this seemingly perfect man. I hate that my anxious brain is obsessing over this information and all I can think about is how I will be stigmatized if I sleep with him and become positive as well. I want to be the understanding person I know myself to be, but the situation has uncovered a deep fear of becoming undesirable or unlovable Mm. if I become positive. I started thinking about how if things don't work out with him, the rest of my love and sex life will be ruined, even though logically I know that STIs aren't a sexual death sentence. Do I let this genuine connection go to protect myself from my fear of STIs, or do I work through my bias? I'm truly at a loss, and any advice or guidance would be greatly appreciated. Sincerely, E. Oh, thank you so much for writing E and for trusting us with this vulnerable story. Um, So TLDR, I think you should go for it. (laughs) Do you agree, Sam? (laughs) I do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, just that last sentence there, like, do I let this genuine connection go to protect myself from my fear of SDIs? Like just breaking that down. Like, do I... Do I do I let go something of something good because um, I am afraid because I am afraid of something stigmatized? And at the end of your life, my darling E, I'm going to take a page out of um, Eddie Izzard, a trans comedian, um, says I that we should be brave and curious instead of fearful, fearful and suspicious. And I say mm-hmm. that. And also validating your fears about your bodily autonomy, about your health, and about the shame and stigma that comes with SEIs. All of those things are very real. But at the end of, I I just want to start by explicitly saying, like, I believe you should go for this guy because um, SEIs are incredibly common. 
They are not uh, something to be actively stigmatized. Continue, like, yes, there's a stigma there, but we, we here, we're not going to contribute to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think what you said about the STIs being a very common thing that people who engage in sex go through is absolutely right. Like, I have had an STI before, like, and I am not a dirty person because mm-hmm. of it. Like. Mm-hmm. It is it is a very common thing is it is just as common as like getting a cold or like having strep throat. Right. Like there's it's it's just uh, uh, an illness. And so, like, let's let's talk about that. And then secondly, I want to like make sure that when we're talking about herpes, we we want to to make sure that we are not in any way contributing to any myths about it or any stigma about it by engaging in any conversation about how like it makes you dirtier, like that people are, that it makes you unlovable or it ends your sex life, right? Like people with herpes have very healthy sex lives. People with herpes are able to have sex with people without transmitting the disease. There are treatments and there are ways to engage in safe sex when you have herpes, right? So it is not the death sentence that people sometimes say that it is. And it is in fact a very livable disease that is makes you perfectly equipped to be able to continue to have healthy, positive, really awesome sex. So people with herpes are absolutely capable of and deserve to have amazing sex with partners who consent with them. Right. Right. So that's it. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Like there is, that is not a debatable thing that we're going to go into in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, and I also wanted to add like this, Guy sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) On on top of all of this, this, not only does this guy sound like hot and smart and, uh, you know, uh, all of the good things that you listed, but he demonstrated um, extreme care and responsibility towards your life, Mm -hmm. your sexual health. And he he demonstrated great vulnerability and respect. in allowing you to make informed decisions about your body and your sex life, right? And it is very, very possible that he was not given that same opportunity. It is very Mm. possible that he was not given that same consideration. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, I want to validate your fear and anxiety because we live in a stigmatized world. And also, like, this makes him even more attractive to me. (laughs) And all Mm -hmm. those good things that he said that, like, You know, I think pointing out the idea that he's giving you something that he might have been denied, um, the the opportunity to consent to this, um, I I think it helps us break down the stigma, like you were saying, actively, because remembering that people don't ask to get SDIs, people don't, um, this is not something you deserve or something you get because you were dirty or irresponsible. This is like a part of lived experience, period. Yep, yep. And uh, I want you to give it a shot. He sounds great. And I love that Sam said we're going to actively break down the stigma because literally in my notes, I was like, I wrote down things from Planned Parenthood, like have pro- yeah. you, can, you can have <laughs> protective sex. Um, make sure that you talk with your partner about taking a, uh, uh, the 
a daily herpes medication that keeps things at bay. This is something that is very actively treat- treatable. And you just, yep. and, and then practice abstinence during the, the, times if there is an outbreak people go for can go for years without break outbreaks i read about a woman who hadn't had an outbreak in 15 years you know right, um right. but if there is an outbreak or if there is um an outbreak where you have um active sores um you don't have sex don't don't even have sex with a condom because there can be sores where the condom can't cover um and then wait until the sores are completely gone and the scabs heal and fall off before having sex and i want to say that all really explicitly because like this is a part of life sdrs stis are a part of life and and we can destigmatize them and and approach them with compassion and humanity by talking about them like this is just a thing this is just a thing Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's also like not just a thing i know it's more than that but like right I don't, I'm not sure if I want our Just Break Up Space community to, I want it to be a validating space where we say, yes, like we see the stress, we see the anxiety here, we see the cultural cult- cultural conditioning that we are working against. We're going to acknowledge that, but we're not going to let it in the door, <laughs> not in this space. Yeah, for sure. No, I absolutely agree with that. And I would also say to you, E, I appreciate that you you have this anxiety about about getting it and then the ways that that other people are going to treat you because of that. Yes, right? and I that's think, real. I think, again, that fear is valid. And at the same time, you don't want to be with a person who's not going to sleep with you or want to date you because you have herpes, right? Like, yes, like that is the reality like that. Get this. And so you're not losing out, right? You're not losing out on like a great sex life or like a partnership with someone who's really great. If you have herpes because you're not like the people that you that would reject you because of that are yes. not people who are worth your time. Get this. And you're not losing out on it. You are you are making intentional decisions about the abundance that exists around you and like making good decisions about things that that aren't serving you well or aren't going to be healthy for you. I said, get this like three times and I'm sorry. Yes, sorry. But I was, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> just it's like... just what you're saying. You're not even going to believe. So I pulled a quote off of a Planned Parenthood website. It's an anonymous okay. writer who, who wrote about their experience of having um, herpes and they wrote, in a world full of infinite partner choices, herpes had narrowed mine to the understanding, the open-minded, mm. and the risk takers. I am now confined to partners who think my awesomeness eclipses my cellular flaw. So instead of killing my love life, herpes has weirdly deepened it. And I thought that was so fucking <laughs> awesome. I mean, I That's thought it amazing. was just like... I was so grateful for the anonymous writer who shared that experience because I'm I'm hoping that it um, can be reflected in the experiences of, of others, but also um, creates a sort of reverence for this live for this experience that a nobody asked for, but b doesn't doesn't have to be a quote death sentence. I, I mm-hmm. that that line hurts me. You know that that we have that we have shamed ourselves culturally so much. Um, to feel that way. I love that. I love that quote so much. And I appreciate that you tried to interrupt me multiple times to like, like, let the person with the actual lived experience say it and not me. But like, <laughs> well, it was it was they aligned really well. I mean, you're yes. fine. <laughs> no. But so that's I guess that's what we're asking you E is to participate in this active dismantling of the stigma around STIs and 
to do exactly what the person who that anonymous writer wrote of being somebody who is inclusive, who is open-minded, who is a risk taker and, and, you know, become that person, right. And, and lean into that. Cause it sounds like you are, you are working towards that and you're trying to be that person lean into it, right. We can, the only way that we dismantle stigma is by dismantling it actively, right. Within <laughs> ourselves. Not, Absolutely. Within ourselves and by not participating in the fear and the anxiety that comes up around it, but instead saying that fear and that anxiety is has been taught to me. It is not mine. I don't want it. And I'm going to choose a different way of being. Yep. Right. And so we invite you to, to, to participate in that. We invite you to really join us in actively dismantling the stigma around people's bodies and the ways in which infections show up in our bodies in multiple different ways. Yep. All right, E, we, we love you. We love your brave and open heart. And we hope that um, you can find some peace and strength and empowerment in this letter. And like, uh, I hope you have fun with this new sexy relationship. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. All right, our final letter is coming to us from freelancing therapist who is writing to us from a place with no boundaries. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First off, thank you so much for the labor, love, and care you put in this podcast. I know how isolating and lonely it can be to be managing relationships with others and ourselves. Listening to your podcast, hearing your stories and perspectives, and others listening and other listeners' experiences have made me feel connected and seen in ways I can't fully articulate. Woo, getting emotional. Knowing... Knowing that strangers are going through such relatable experiences makes me feel less alone in this world, and I'm not the only one feeling this way. It means a lot, so thank you again. Well, thanks. Now on to this letter. The following letter is about a tale of friendship with little to no boundaries. My friend, let's call her H, and I met four years ago. We connected pretty quickly through work. We both moved from across the country to a new city and didn't have a strong community as newer transplants. We became friends pretty fast and have since developed a very strong emotional, intimate bond with each other. I love H very much. She is one of the kindest, generous, and most thoughtful people I know, and we've shared so many memories together. But... And I'm sure you're waiting for the butt in this situation. So here it is. <laughs> H has always struggled with anxiety and clinical depression and has been carrying around unprocessed trauma from her family, work, and romantic relationships. Her parents' family has little to no boundaries and expects her to live life in a very specific and narrow way. As a result, she carries a lot of familial guilt for making choices that feel right to her, but might not subscribe to her family's expectations. 
On the romantic front, she has jumped from relationship to relationship since high school, all of which have been emotionally and physically abusive relationships. She has also had toxic work experiences that have left her questioning her worth and intelligence. When H started opening up to me about her anxieties and past dramas, I could relate to all of them. I feel the same guilt and shame for making life choices for myself that conflict with familial obligations and expectations. I'm a woman of color in a male-dominated space and have extreme imposter syndrome. I have never had a healthy romantic relationship, but while I intellectually understand that I can't compare traumas, her experiences seem so much worse than mine. So I listened and validated her and supported her and rarely talked about myself because it felt like her needs were so much more greater than mine. And because I am extremely good at self-soothing and feel extremely uncomfortable asking people for support, I quickly became her de facto therapist. I'm a natural caretaker and struggle with boundaries and meeting my own needs. So initially it felt fine because I have an extraordinary capacity of holding space for other people's emotions. I feel guilty saying H is too much. She isn't too much, but it can feel like too much for one person, a.k.a. AKA me, to hold space for all of her emotions and feelings. Because we established this type of friendship so early on, our friendship has always felt unbalanced. She will text or call me every time she's feeling emotionally unwell, which is every day. With her, it feels like there is also always some crisis each week that triggers her into a spiral that I try to pull her out from. And while she's exhibited the capacity to support me with my emotional needs, I often feel drained by the time she asks me how I'm doing. And I don't want to share any of my own stress or anxiety with her. All of this Mm -hmm. is to say I'm exhausted and frustrated. It's frustrating and painful to see a friend struggle so much with her self-worth and not be able to do anything about it. It's exhausting to continuously listen to her. And in many ways, it feels like I have some secondhand trauma because I also struggle with similar feelings and experiences i've also started to feel resentful of the imbalance in our friendship which has gotten worse during covid because i haven't seen many people outside of her Mm. i try to suggest therapy many times in different ways for the last couple years she resisted the idea as she wasn't ready to resurface some trauma from her abusive relationships she has more recently started looking casually for one but hasn't been able to find an available one who is the right for her I know the answer is this, as my therapist friends and family also say, it's boundaries. I just don't know how to set and enforce them. I am terrible. What are you laughing at? (laughs) Did I say something wrong? No, I'm laughing because like, we're going to, we're also going to say boundaries. I know. (laughs) Just anticipating that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm terrible at setting boundaries in general, but with H, I always feel extremely guilty when I try to set them. I've tried to set more subtle boundaries, which have somewhat helped temporarily. For example, on weeks where I'm feeling extremely drained, I will tell her that I'm not feeling well mentally, sometimes because of her, but I don't mention that, and may be unresponsive. And more recently, when she tried to call me randomly, I have explicitly asked her if it's okay if we can text instead because I'm feeling too tired to verbally talk. Each time she has respected those boundaries and supported me so i understand that she is capable of doing so but these are just temporary boundaries we eventually fall back into the same patterns where our entire conversations revolve around her anxiety and her depression and me validating and supporting her and leaving little space for my own needs in the friendship so this is a very long letter to lead up to this how do i set boundaries with h in ways that will 
fundamentally shift the nature of our friendship so that it is not so imbalanced. I don't want to hurt her feelings or make her feel like she can't come to me for support, but I don't know how to support her in a normal and healthy capacity without feeling like I'm withholding. Any help or advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for reading this short novella, XOXO, Freelancing (laughs) Therapist. Oh, my darling. Mm. We love you. We do. I'm so sorry you're in this situation. Um, It's not a fun situation to be in. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) It's Mm -mm. exhausting. And you're definitely experiencing some, if not secondary trauma, you know, some real physical uh, impacts on your life from this friendship. It is is taking from you more than Mm -hmm. it is giving. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I laughed when Sierra was reading this letter you know, at the part where your therapist, your friends and your family all, all say boundaries and, and you know that that's going to be our response to right? Is that this relationship isn't serving you well. It's like Sierra said, it's taking more than it's giving. And I want to offer H the benefit of the doubt here too, to say that like, I don't think that H probably wants to deplete you in this way, mm. right? Like I think that H is continuing to follow the, the, set ways in which you have been engaging in this relationship, right? Like you've created a culture in this relationship around this pattern that she gets to talk and talk and talk and you're there for her and that your experiences aren't as important. And so you don't get to talk about them. Right. And, and I want to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she's not a bad person for doing this. I agree with you. I don't think she's too much. And what we need to do now is we need to reset or rewire the ways in which we have, you both have learned to engage in this relationship. Yeah. And setting that up isn't taking anything away from anyone, right? It is just setting up new rules and new parameters about how you both engage in this relationship so that you can both get what you need out of it. And so that she's not depleting you all the time right like this is also in support of her it is also about saying like i want to show up for you in a way that's sustainable for both of us rather than you constant or than you taking so much from me that i have to end the friendship right like i have to literally step away from it yeah i actually i but i think that you you might be taking something away from someone and 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 i think i want to push on that and say like that's okay i think Mm. that when in caring for ourselves, we may inevitably hurt someone's feelings or make them feel as though we are denying them something that they previously had access to when we make access to ourselves limited or no longer boundless. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that might feel like to them that we are denying something from them or taking something from them. And, 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 Sometimes we are like literally like you cannot call me on these days. I'm going to take away this access from you or whatever. Um, But it's not why I push on that is because I think for like people pleasers like me and so many letters we read, I want to break up with this person, but I don't want to hurt them. I don't like the dynamics of this relationship, but I don't want to make them feel like they are losing something. You know, it's it's Mm -hmm. all these but this, you know. And the, and the reality is like we, it is very impossible to move through life, particularly when we are protecting our energy, upholding our boundaries, um, practicing healthy reciprocal relationships. It is impossible to move through life without 
telling people no without taking something from them that they already they might have previously had, a.k.a. your unbridled attention and support. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I get what you're saying in terms of like you're not that's not theirs t- to take from them. It wasn't theirs. <laughs> yes, right, yeah, yes, yep. yes. But I wanted to I just wanted to explicitly say that like. As much as I want to avoid it in my life, I have to hurt people because mm-hmm. our realities are never going to be perfectly aligned. I am always going to disappoint someone. And I'm not talking about being like a selfish, reckless, haphazard asshole. You know, like I'm not saying sure. like, um, you know, crushing people's dreams and spirits just to get what I want. Um, but if I am, you know, I might hurt someone by saying I need to protect my energy or I need more from this relationship that might make H feel defensive or self, you know, like, like not an, like you're going to trigger something in this, but that's okay. That's what I'm getting at is that I, I do so much maneuvering in my life to try to like present things in a way that won't hurt someone. And it's just impossible. It's just like, I, I need to tell myself, Sierra host of just break up that like, I don't over, always need to strategize about the way I say things so that they are in the nicest, kindest, most gentlest way mm-hmm. that supports the other person. Sometimes I I need to build up the muscle within myself just to tell the truth and accept that my truth doesn't always align with other people's lives. Sorry, little rant there, but <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, no. Freelancing therapist—that's what you're gonna have to accept first before mm-hmm. you even say anything. The boundaries aren't working because you haven't accepted the fact that your boundaries may, in fact, hurt or change your friendship. You know, but isn't that the point? Don't you want it to change? And you haven't accepted the fact that your boundaries are just as important as her feelings, right? Yes. Like. Right. Like, and that's something that's really hard for, I think, a lot of us to deal with is that like, oh, yeah, the idea that like me standing up for myself (laughs) is just as important as the right. Exactly. So I think one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to talk to your friend authentically about how you're experiencing the relationship, not in a blamey way of like, oh, H, you're too much, but in a way of saying Here's how I feel about the way that our relationship is currently functioning, right? So I love that you come to me when you're feeling that that when you're feeling upset or when you're having a crisis, right? It it makes me feel good to know that I'm someone that you trust enough to show that to. And I am also feeling like I don't I don't get to op, I don't get to to say the things that I'm going through in, in the same amount of time, yeah. right? And, and I, can't, you know, I can't be everything, too. I think that that. Oh, absolutely. I, I you can loved, also say that. I loved your line about, and Sam talked about it, too, like that it's not the H is too much. It's too much for one person. I think that mm-hmm. if you could find a way to say that, that feels authentic to and respectful of her. I, I mean, I think that's what's at play here is that, like, you love being a support system, but it's too much to carry by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you can you can say that, too, of saying, like, I love that I'm here. I'm here and I'm able to support you to the to the best ability that I can. And I also feel like I'm not enough for you in these moments. Right. And I'm feeling like it's it's all on me to to be the only person that you talk to. And it's it's overwhelming and it's it's making me not attend to my own needs in the same way. And right. Like not blame me, but just saying, like, 
you know, this is the way the relationship has been set up and like this is the way that it's been going. I would like for us to try something different right? so that I can make sure that I'm I'm taking care of myself enough and so that I can offer you the opportunity to take care of me too, right? Like this isn't just about you trying to like be selfish and push back. You're also offering her an opportunity to engage with you in a way that's more authentic for both of you, right? right. Like, because right now it's very one-sided and that doesn't, no one wants to be in a one-sided friendship, even if you're the one that's getting all of the attention, right? right? Like, if I ever found out that a friend was like, wow, Sam, you talk, talk, talk way too much and I and I don't have any room to show up, I would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't want a one-sided friendship. I want to be able to be in relationship with you. So like, right. you can have this type of conversation and then establish what those boundaries are going to be. Yeah. Is it when you're in a crisis, text me first and know that I will be honest with you about whether or not I'm able to engage, right? Right. Or I really need you to find a therapist to talk to some of these things to because I'm not equipped, I'm not licensed, I'm not trained, and I it's not sustainable for me to continue doing this. Yes. Or um, whatever else the boundaries are. Or I want you to call me at least twice a week or like I want us to have a phone conversation for like twice a week where I get to talk about some of the things that I'm going through. Right. Yeah. Like what are, what are the boundaries? What are the parameters that you're placing around this relationship? But you can have this conversation in a way that doesn't feel like an attack. And if it feels like an attack for her, for her, that's not about you. That's right. about her own understanding of the relationship and her own feelings about it. Yeah. And I do want to say, I want to just acknowledge, not at two things. One, how hard it is to shift what we feel like our foundational dynamics, like even romantic, familial, friendship dynamics that feel like they're the dynamics we grew on, right? So it's Mm -hmm. impossible to change them because they're they're the foundation. All the pillars will fall down and the house will crumble, blah, blah, blah. That's not true. It feels like that because that has been the mode of operation for however long. Um, But acknowledging that it feels really intimidating to change the, the, the function, but also at the same time, acknowledge to yourself that the way that it is going right now isn't working. You know, so many Mm -hmm. romantic relationship questions we get are like, I don't know how to change this, but I guess I'll accept it. Well, is it working? Are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are you enriched? Are you getting that inner um, reservoir of strength and resiliency? Is it being filled up by this or is it going to be constantly tapped? Because we can always do things differently. We always have the chance to do things differently, even if it feels impossible. The second thing I want to acknowledge is just being a caretaker, being somebody who is naturally... Uh, nurturing, people pleasing, wanting to be liked by people, but also who who craves nurturing back, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with Sam more that you need to have this open and honest, vulnerable conversation. The the dynamics need to be shifted. But in the future, post this conversation, if there comes a day in which she calls you and she spills all of this onto you and you're tired but there's something you want to talk to her about and she doesn't say like, how are you doing? 
you don't have to do all the work, but sometimes you do have to put yourself out there and ask for help. And I know that that is an underlying issue going on here. There's like a over caretaking, lack of boundaries. And then there's like a tiny underlying issue of like wanting to be self-sufficient, wanting to self-soothe, not wanting to ask for help, not wanting to be vulnerable. But I know for me that like I would let dynamics like that go on too long because I didn't want to step into the vulnerability and even just like the normal conversational discomfort of being like, I need to talk to you about something. I, mm-hmm. I Let me talk about me. You know, like it, sometimes it feels awkward to shift it or to say it explicitly because there's another thing about our personality types is that we want people to want to know. We want people to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you right. know what I mean? So there's like this. There's this resistance to asking because shouldn't they want to ask? Um, and I yeah, just wanna, if they wanted to, they would. <laughs> yeah, but that's not true. That's not true. You know, so like I, I agree with Sam and 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 I a hundred percent that first that conversation has to happen because the way this relationship is working isn't working right. It's not you're you're not going to be friends in five years if this is how it's going to go. You're going to mm-hmm. be tapped out. You're going to be burnt out. Literally burnout is what happens to people who work at domestic violence shelters and things like that who have to constantly have to, they have to be that support system all the time. And also, you know, after this conversation, as you are reestablishing these dynamics, the foundation of your friendship, remember that you don't have to do it all. You don't have to do all the work yourself. Yep. But you can't. You also have to work on strengthening that muscle of asking for help. I can't expect somebody to always say, how are you doing in a conversation? Sometimes I have to say, man, I've had a crazy week. Can I talk to you about it? You know? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so true. And I think, I think that having the same conversation again, isn't necessarily a marker of defeat, right? It isn't a failure, like, let's remember that you have operated in a certain way for the last four years of your friendship. Yeah. And now you're trying to do something different. So it's not going to be a, hey, we have one conversation and then suddenly everything about our relationship changes. Right. It's going to have to be, hey, we have this conversation. We fall back into patterns that aren't working for us. And we try, we have to remind ourselves to do something different. So if she does exactly what Sierra said around like, calls you and like unloads on you can do you can you you're gonna no not even (laughs) do you do this like you're gonna have to stop and say hey i love you i appreciate you i i I know that you're going through a rough time uh remember that i asked you to text me before you call me because like i need to make sure that i'm in an emotionally like i'm ready for this conversation right and again it's just about it's not you're not scolding her You are not yelling at her. You are not being mean to her. Mm -hmm. You are just saying to her, hey, I love you and appreciate you. And I'm sorry that this is all happening. And it sounds like a lot. And at the same time, want to make sure that we remember that, like, it's really helpful for me when you text me before you call me so that I can make sure that I'm, like, ready to hear all of Mm -hmm. this. Right. Or it can be another sit down conversation and be like, hey, so I know we've had this conversation before. I've seen you try out different things. I appreciate it. And just want to like talk about the things that we've that we're working on together to strengthen our relationship. Yeah. Right. Because, again, you've been in this relationship for four years now. And so it's going to take work to redirect it. And it's going to take a 
significant amount of time and intention to do it. So I think what happens sometimes is that we go through this thing where we're like, I had the hard conversation and then things were fine for two weeks and then they weren't fine anymore. And it's like, yeah, because it's not just about one conversation. It's about being intentional, about checking in and about like about checking ourselves when we fall into patterns that that we're used to. And it's not a bad thing that we're used to them because we're just used to them. And we have the opportunity to 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 change those things with intentional work. So I appreciate that you've done it, that you've like set up some of those boundaries and it's okay for you to reinforce them again. It is not a failure that they didn't stand up because because you're coming up against like a tide of, right. of the way that you've just been doing things. So how do you strengthen them repeatedly to make sure that they can like reflow the water, right? Like to move in a different direction. Right. I totally agree. My darling, we hope that this helps. We hope this makes you feel heard and empowered. Um, you deserve a reciprocal uh, loving relationship. But more importantly, you deserve to be heard when you ask for your for your needs to be met. Whether she Absolutely. can meet you there or not is not as important as your right to be heard. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much. This brings us to the blind date segment of this show. Every episode, we want to shout out something we loved uh, and we want to set you up with. This week, we are sending you home with... The LGBTQ Women's Survey. (laughs) (laughs) So this is not a blind date for me because I did not take the survey because I am not an LGBTQ woman. (laughs) But... (laughs) Um, oh, this is if important. you were. <laughs> right? Wow. Okay. This is... Uh, we would never. We could never. No, it just would never work out. <laughs> um, no, this is an important survey that is... It is a national survey for the United States. Um, so I, if you are outside of that, um, I don't think Disregard. you are allowed to answer. <laughs> yeah. But I should double check that. Um, but so we know that, that um, particularly around research... We don't have a lot of good data on the experiences of queer people, right? Because, um, or f- of, you know, whatever reason, mostly because like people don't ask about sexual orientation and gender identity when they do big national surveys, for example, the census. And if they do, they don't do it in a very nuanced way that can really get at some of the the complexities of those identities and the ways in which those complexities impact our experiences and our outcomes, right? So. This is super important data for us to know. It is a survey for women who are uh, or have dated women, for trans men who uh, date women as well, and for nine non-binary folks who who date or have dated women. So it's a great survey. It's going to provide a whole bunch of data about preferences, about experiences, about the ways in which our relationships, not ours, I'm not part of this group, the ways in which uh, LGBTQ women's uh, relationships and family structures work. Um, And it's going to offer just like a lot of data so that a lot of cases can be made about the experiences of women who are queer and about the types of services, supports, resources, LGBTQ women need so that we can make sure that we are actually making the case to get those resources to to meet those needs. So um, feel free to take it. It's at lgbtqwomensurvey.org and and help us make the case around the importance of LGBTQ women's experiences, their lives, their families, their relationships, 
and the importance that we need to place on supporting them in and resourcing them in meaningful ways. So lgbtqwomensurvey.org. Lovely. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on uh, in Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find discounted merchandise and tickets to our live show happening on Saturday, July 10th this weekend. Yeah, so excited. Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get your episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and su- consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash pod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music recording, editing, producing, managing all magical things by our good friend, Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify under the name Big Cats. And remember, do not be afraid to ask for help. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be taken care of. And you deserve to be listened to. Knowing that you need support is a strength, not a weakness. You should be open to receiving help when it is provided because the universe's resources are unlimited. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>